This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Matt Bolin and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. So you may be asking, why in the world are we watching a golf movie in church? Well, it's because I'm preaching. So, uh, no, I believe that God tries to show himself in our lives more than we ever see. Um, There's a country song written by George Strait that says, I saw God today. And I remember the first time I heard that, he, he talks about walking down the street. He, he continues to say, I saw God today. I saw God today. I saw God today. And he, and he shares these stories from a newborn baby to even just seeing someone help out someone else. I saw God today. And I think at times we get so caught up in the idea of trying to see God or trying to make something happen, we become much like that point in there where he's putting and he misses that first one. Go ahead and hit another one. And he puts and misses. We, we try to make something happen instead of letting it happen. And there's a difference that goes on in there. And so as I was watching this movie this last week, I, I, it was just on and I happened to see this part and God started speaking to my heart. And he said, These, this is much like my people. And so this is what this says right there because it's kind of tough to hear at parts. It says, yep, inside each one of us is a true authentic swing. Something that we was born with, something that is ours and ours alone. Something that can't be taught or learned. Something that can't, that, that, something that got to be remembered. Over time, the world can rob us of that swing. It gets buried deep inside us in our wouldas and couldas and shouldas. Some folks even forget what their swing was like. And so I sat, sat there and I started seeing what God has for it and what, what he's sharing. And he said, this is the statement that people forget. He said, I have a calling for each and every one of you, a true, authentic calling that is yours and yours alone. It is not meant for someone else. It is meant for you and you alone. And so as he said this, he said, I want you to change the word swing to calling. Listen to what it says. Yep, inside of each and every one of us is one true, authentic calling. Something that we was born with, something that is ours and ours alone, something that, we, that can't be taught to you or learned something that has to be remembered. Over time, the world can rob us of that calling. It gets buried inside of us under the wouldas and couldas and shouldas. Some folks even forget what their calling was like. But you have one true, authentic calling in your life. And that's the thing that I believe God has taught us through this. You know, Pastor Stormy shared a couple of weeks ago, he started us with a series on heaven and hell and the truth behind it through the word of God. You know, a lot of people have their own ideas of what heaven's going to be like and their own ideas of what hell is and different things you hear people say. But in all reality, the only truth that we can find is through the word of God. And so if it doesn't tie in with this word, then it's just an idea. And that idea doesn't become truth until it's backed up with the word. And so that's where we have to continue to come in and understand the truth that God has for our lives. And so today I want to talk to you about the next step. He started, he's, he's, started a series right after that called What's Next. After I get saved, what's next? And so today it's called Keeping It Simple. Keeping It Simple. And so um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Micah chapter 6. And for those of you that haven't found it yet, um, if you get to Book of Matthew, go back left just a little bit and you'll find it right there in one of the little books. Um, One of the things I want to do before we get to that is I do want to pray. So let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just want to honor you. We want to worship you. We want to live for you, Father, more and more every day. Father, I thank you that you have destined each and every one of these hearts and minds to be here today to hear your word. 
Father, that a light may be shined upon their hearts that they may realize and recognize the truth of who you are. Father, that you're not an idea, but Lord, you are the real, true, one God. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I pray and ask, Lord, that we would not only see you as the one true God, but Lord, that we may see you as the Father that you truly are. A Father full of love and passion for each and every one of us. So Lord, help us to receive your word today. Help me to speak it with simplicity and clarity, Father, giving me thoughts and ideas, things that I plan on not saying, so that these lives may be affected and touched. Lord, we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Micah chapter 6. So Micah is writing here, and he's, t- he's talking about some different things in life. He, and, and, and what it is, he kind of paints a picture of how we live life. So this is Lord, the Lord's response to the things that we try to make happen. And so if you start in verse 1, it says, listen to what the Lord is saying. And he stands up and he says, this is your case against me, not being the God that you think I should be. So he goes down and he starts getting to it. In verse 6, he talks about how we try to figure out how to earn our way back into God's good graces. We try to make things happen. It's like if, if Raul and I get in a fight and I try to make it up to Raul, so I go buy him a, a 49ers jersey and then we burn it, because that's what we do, right? No, so, uh, but if I bought him a 49ers jersey, he may go, oh, we're great. And he comes and gives me a hug. Well, we're in good fellowship again, but I had to earn it because I had to earn the money to get to that point. The deal is with God, you can't earn his love. You can only receive his love. And that's the truth that it comes back down to. So here it is, he recognized it in verse six, and it said, should we bring him a burnt offering? Should we do this? Should we do that? But that's not the most important thing. The Lord comes back and he says, verse eight, and this is what I want you to catch, because they're giving him all these ideas of what we can do. And he says this, verse eight, he says, no, O oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. So he's talking to you and I at this point, And he says this, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, as you break that down and you start to understand that to do what is right. Well, the Bible talks about it in there, and we're going to read it. And Luke, it teaches us that a Pharisee or a a priest stood up and he said, Lord, what does it take to, etern- to receive eternal life? And he said, you must love your God, the one true God, and you must love your neighbors. Those are the two most important things that the Lord says to do. So to do what is right is you need to love God. You need to love God wholeheartedly. Okay, well, I do that. Okay, so one of the ways that we show how we love or what we love is a lot of times we can see it by our actions. If my wife, if I say I love her, but I never do anything she asks me to do or be a part of anything she does, and I just kind of live my own life, is that really showing love? I may say it, but the actions behind it don't follow along with that. So this is what the Lord is saying is to do what is right. Now, here's the next part I love, to love mercy. When you talk about mercy, you're talking about something that you can't earn. It's like when we talk about the prodigal son who went off and he, squ- he spent all of his money and he did all these other things and he did this and he did this and he did this and he, he thought he was having the greatest time of his life to in the end realizing that my servants, my father's servants have a better life than I do and coming back home and because of mercy and because of grace, the father ran out and hugged him and gave him a party and killed the fatted calf, and did all of that, not because of anything he can earn, but because of the mercy that his father had for him. 
the mercy and the grace that we live in and comes back down to this, is that when I look at my life, I see everything. One of the best ways I've, the Lord's ever helped me with that is that a lot of times when we look at our lives, we see scars. And what I mean by that is that on my hands, I have scars. On my knees, I have scars. In fact, uh, when I have shorts on, I have a scar right here and a scar right here. And those scars represent something that happened to me in my past. Back when I was playing baseball, I had two baseballs that hit literally off my shin, like straight off my shin. And fortunately, we got an out on both of them. But what I'm talking about is that both of those balls hit off of those. So for the rest of my life, I will look down and I will see that mark and I will always remember what happened. And a lot of times we're like that video where we get up there and we're trying to do something and we're trying to make it and we're missing the putt every time. We miss the putt. We miss the putt. We miss the mark of what we're trying to do because those scars, because of those things keep reminding us who you used to be. The problem is we're looking at things wrong. God says to love mercy. Mercy says, I screwed up, God. Mercy says, God comes down and he forgives us of that. His grace is the thing that goes beyond that to even love us even greater. But that's what it comes back down to is that if I love mercy, it's not what I've done, but who I am. And who I am is found in not what I do, but who is in me. That truth has to get inside of us. And the last thing is to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly. So the three things that he says you must do, one, to do what is right. Well, how do you find that? You find that through the word. To live in mercy. Well, how do we live in mercy? You learn what mercy is all about and you receive it, whether you're perfect or not, because understand this, there's not a perfect person in this room. In fact, you probably haven't even been perfect today because I know I haven't. Every one of us have probably tried to do good, but we messed up. And the last thing is to walk humbly with the Lord. Humbly with the Lord means that he calls you to do things that you're not specifically destined to do. That's not my calling. And a lot of times we look at it, and, but I'm called to be a man of God. And that calling of a man of God is called to do whatever he asks me to do. And so as we think about this and we walk through this process, I, I think back even through my life, because many of you probably have jobs today that you're like, oh, it's Monday morning. And a lot of times we sit there and we justify everything that we do because of how hard it is. People aren't nice to me, so I'm not nice to them. People don't treat me the way that I want them to, so I treat them the way that they treat me. All of those things do not tie into the word. The Bible says the golden rule. That's where it's found is in the word. Treat others as you would want them to treat you. Do things unto them, but you're doing it unto God. That's the most important. Colossians 3.23, when we continue to pour that into our hearts, it changes everything. We recognize I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, Philippians 4.13. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you, Matthew 6.33. Those scriptures continue to pour inside of you. You continue to live those things out and say, God, I just want to honor you today. I want to live for you today. I want to recognize that you are the one true God and Lord, I'm going to walk humbly with you. What does that mean? What does that seem like? Well, that means that at work, somebody comes across and somebody spilled a bunch of stuff right there. Well, that's not my job. That's a janitor's job. But you get down on your hands and knees and you clean that stuff up. You come across it and, and, and there's a toilet that's clogged and you grab the plunger and you get after it. Well, that's not your job. Right, that isn't my job, but I'm called to do things unto the Lord, not unto man. I think a lot of times we're more worried about what people see us do than who sees us doing what we're doing. It's a choice that we make as we continue to fly through this life. 
I realize this, that the more I humbly serve God and the more I humbly seek God, it changes the way I see things and the way I do things. I recognize this, two things that I remember when, I talk, when I'm talking about God in life. Because a lot of times, you know, we go to God and we tell him about our problems. We, you know, we share, hey, I'm dealing with this, I'm struggling with this, I'm ha- this is going on and you need to deal with this, you need to deal with that. It's kind of like uh, last week, Pastor shared about the two brothers, James and John, and he's like, they called them the sons of thunder. It's a great story. If you go back and read it, it's, it's so much fun to, to look at him because you can put yourself in there. These people deny Jesus and their first response is, let's kill him. And it's like, well, that's not the Christian way. That's okay. Let's kill him anyways. We'll pray for him later. You know, that's kind of the attitude we have a lot of times because these guys were just human like us. They were just like you and I trying to get their way through this, trying to figure out how to honor God, trying to figure out how to live for God. And so as we walk through this, there's two things that God reminds me of anytime that I deal with something. First thing is this, don't sweat the small things, simply trust God. Don't sweat the small things, simply trust God. You know, I was even talking to one of our uh, members this morning, and he was sharing a story about a guy who screamed and yelled at him because the guy gave him a burrito, and he decided to cut it in half and give it to two other people. He said, I didn't buy a burrito so that you could give it away. And he's like, it's a burrito. I mean, I'll give you the money back if that's what you need. And the guy, I mean, the guy was like screaming and yelling at him, cussed him up one side and down the other because of who he gave the burrito to. And I'm just like, so many times we sweat the little things that aren't that big of a deal. Well, it wasn't done this way and it wasn't done that. And I, and I understand this because there's certain personalities, if it's not done the way that it was structured to do, that it like, I get that way. It freaks my mind out. I remember in, I was in the ministry one time and, and, and we had a, a large service and we were talking about ways to count it. And I had it figured out in my head, this is the way we're going to do it. So I said, here's how we can do it. I remember the other guy came up to me and said, well, why don't we do it this way? And I was like, no, because it won't work. This is the way we need to do it. Why do we need to do that? Because I came up with it. And it's right. It's right because I came up with it. And so we're sitting there going back and forth, literally talking about how to count people in a service. That's, how we're, that's what we're fighting over. And he's like, well, let's just go ahead and do it this way. And the other guy agrees with him. And I'm mad. I mean, I am, I'm telling you, I'm like, I'm like kicking things. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. We need to count this way. And we need to do this. And we need to do that. And I'm going through all these things in my head on what I should do to this guy. And I should push him down the stairs. And I should, you know, I'm coming up with all this and, you know, then I repented and got saved again. But, um, you know, that's one of those things that we kind of, we walk through this so many times and it, it was about the way we count. Are you kidding? It's the little things. Remember the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. Don't sweat the little things. Trust in God. The second thing is this. Everything can be considered little when you have a big God standing next to it. You know, a lot of times we have our perspectives wrong. I remember in the movie uh, Lord of the Rings, when you go back and you watch how they created that movie, a lot of it was done on perspective. And, and what I mean by that is, is that if I stood here and I had somebody stand 30 yards back there, they would look really little. And so when they filmed the camera, they would carry on these conversations with this big person and this little person. And they were the same height. But when you go like that, one looks much bigger, one looks much smaller. A lot of times we put our problems up here and our God back there. So we have a big problem with a little God instead of a big God seeking after that little problem, right? It's the choice that we make when we continue to live and to honor God in this area. He changes the way we view it. 
Remember this. Do this always. This is what is required of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This scripture right here cross-references back into the the book of Deuteronomy, and I'm going to read it very quickly, and it'll be on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, it says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires... So here's one of the things you're going to find out in the Word. Whenever he talks about you and he says those things, take it to heart. Because he's not talking about these people that are far off and this is an idea for them. But I take it and I say, okay, so he requires this of Matt. Okay, he requires, Matt, that only you fear the Lord your God and that you live in a way that pleases him and that, love, and that you would love him and serve him with all of your heart and soul. Verse 13, and then you must obey the Lord's commands and decrees and that I'm giving you today for your own good. So I read that and all of a sudden it makes sense to me. I'm not saying it, well, hey, Joel, she needs this. This is here. Hey, you need to read this stuff. It's not for me. It's for you. You're the one that's not doing very good right now. Well, it comes back down to this. Joel's got to do it just like I have to. But I've got to take this upon myself to say, this is what the word says. Then I got to keep it simple. I've got to keep it simple and do what he's asked. One of the problems that happens is that we deal with this thing that comes in. And, and here's how it comes in a lot of times. We have this, the, these expectations that we put out there. Everybody understands what expectations are, things that we're expecting to happen. And so we talk about these expectations. And so if, uh, for example, we'll, we'll share this. One of the things, if I go home and every day I go home, I expect my wife to give me a hug and a kiss every day. So one day I come in and she's had a tough day or she's busy. So I walk in the door and I'm like, honey, I'm home. And, you know, she runs up and, you know, does those things, you know, every day. But, uh, yeah, this is, you, you don't know that side of her. She, she does, no. Um, so she runs up and she gives me a hug and a kiss on the cheek. And I'm like, oh, good. My expectation was met today. So we go through those things. Well, one day I come home and I say, honey, I'm home. Honey, I'm home. You know, and I'm, I... Ta-da, I'm here, you know, the guy you've been waiting on. We're going through all these things and we do this stuff and then she's not there to give me a hug and a kiss. And I'm like, this is not right. Your job is to do this because they're my expectation, you know. And we go through these things and all of a sudden, what happens when those expectations aren't met? We get this word called frustrated, frustration. We get emotional all those things tie back right into, these are my expectations. Now, all of a sudden, I have an unmet expectation, which leads to frustration. And then we get to this thing. We start to justify what we did and what we've done. So we have this thing. We have an expectation. So let's tie it back to that. I go to my wife and I say, hey, this is what I expect from you. She says, okay. She comes in. She gives me a hug and a kiss. One day she's had a tough day. She broke her leg, couldn't make it to give me a hug and a kiss. I'm frustrated. We're going through all these things. Now I'm yelling at her and saying, you're not a good wife and you're not doing these things and you're not doing this. And she's like, I've got a broken leg. Don't care. Your job is to get, you know, and it's all those things. We start, we start putting these expectations out there that are literally unrealistic. And all of a sudden, those expectations become more important than the person that I love, than the person that I care about. Now, it comes into just, well, I was justified because her job is to do this. That's not her job. That's not anyone's job. Your job was simply what we just found out, to love mercy, to do what is right, and to humbly 
walk with the Lord. Does that sound like a humble moment when I said, I don't care if you broke your leg, get up and give me a hug and a kiss like you're supposed to. That's not very humble. This is what it comes back down to. We start to justify these things. And so unmet expectations lead to frustration. Frustration then leads to justification. Anytime that we justify what we are doing, we should know right away, I am wrong. Well, that doesn't make sense. Yes, actually it does. Because when you justify, it simply means this. The, the definition of justif- justify is to prove to be right, just or reasonable to acquit or absolve. Do I have to justify to you to be humble? Do I have to justify you to live in mercy? Do I have to justify you to do what's right? I shared this this morning, and I talked about this, and I think it's a great way to explain it, because a lot of times when we justify, what we're doing is trying to prove that I'm right. I am right. I'm the one that's right. But that's not the way that God created it. So think about this. Have you ever had to justify yourself yourself for being early to work? In your entire life, has, has your boss ever come? I, I don't get it. They're always early. I, none of it makes sense to me. They're just a terrible employee. They're always early. They do their best and they work hard and they never leave early. They're terrible. No, nobody's ever had to justify it. When you justify it is when you're wrong. How many times have you had to figure out a way to justify you being late to work that day? Oh man, yeah, you say this. Oh, I, you know, hey, there was a wreck. There was a baby. Baby was dying. I had to save the baby. There was an interview. They couldn't do it because the baby was this and that. And it was just, it was crazy. So I'm sorry I'm 15 minutes late, but I had to save the baby's life. You know, we justify, we run through in our mind how right we are. We play this scenario out. Well, if I was just doing what was right instead of trying to prove that I was right, my life would be so much better, so much more honoring to God. And this is what it comes back down to. A lot of times we sit back and we try to figure out this, this is how it should be. So with God, at times you have expectations. God, I'm believing for this. I'm standing for this. I'm doing this. But it doesn't happen in your timetable. So you say, for example, let's, let's just take a car. You need a new car. So you pray and you ask God, God, I need a new car. Lord, I need a new car. We're, this car's breaking down. We're running through this. We're running into these issues. And so you pray and you ask God continually. Well, in a month after that, you still don't have a new car. We don't recognize what he's done by blessing you with other jobs and opportunities. We just keep saying, no, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. I'm believing for a new car. I don't have time to go work another job or do any of these other things. And, and we continue to make up these ideas in our minds. So we get tired of waiting on God and we say, God, are you not going to move? Fine, I'll go move. Then we go to the bank, we get a loan. We go buy a car and then we come back and say, the Lord blessed me with a new car. The Lord has blessed me with a new, I prayed for an entire month and the Lord blessed me with a new car. Well, okay, sounds great. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying any of that's wrong, except the Bible does say, do not become, do not get into debt because you become a slave to the lender. Yeah, but I don't like that scripture. So I'm going to do this over here because I need a new car. Look at this. I bought a 2017 or a 2020. They're not even out yet. I got the first one. Man, I'm loving it. It's great. Life is good. Life is good for the first month. And all of a sudden, that little paper comes in the mail. You know those things that are not fun to receive? You know, you look forward to the mail. People are like, when I was a kid, you used to love getting mail. As an adult, you don't like getting mail anymore. <laughs> I totally understand. You get those things that are bill, and then you pull it out, and you're like, $700 for a car? This is astronomical. They should do these things. God, I need you to move now. God, I need you to do those things. And you know what? We serve a merciful God. 
who will help you out of that situation if you pray and ask those things. But what happened was you, you had an expectation. It changed to a frustration because it was an unmet expectation in your timetable. You got frustrated, and then you went forward and bought a car without having the blessing of God upon it, waiting on God's timetable, not yours. And that's the decision that we have to make. Are we willing to trust God, or are we willing to continue to walk our own path? Turn to Luke chapter 10, and I want to show you what happens a lot of times when we deal with justification. Luke chapter 10, we're going to read verse 25 to start with. So Jesus is speaking right here, and he's, he's talking to some rulers, some religious of the law, and things like this. And he says this. He says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. Now, that's the first thing. Um, he must not have recognized who Jesus was because, one, Jesus already knew what he was doing. Have you ever tried to play somebody that knew exactly what you were going to do, like in a game? I remember playing a guy in basketball, and the guy knew exactly what I was going to do. And I went to make a move, and I thought I was going to be awesome. And boom, I literally ran right into him, took the ball, and went and dunked it on the other end, game over. I was like, this is not fair. So, side note, Jesus already knows. So he says he stood up to a test in Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? See, that's the first thing he's pointing to me. What should I do? Me personally, not these other people that are bad. I'm talking about me. I'm a, I'm a pretty good person here because who else would have the guts to stand up to Jesus and say, God, what do I, what do I have to do? Because I'm going like, you know, it, here's the perfect example of what happens. A lot of times we, we have, we've had this guy come in, his name's Sandy Culkin, and he's, a, he's got the prophetic word in him. And so he'll, he'll like share things like he'll point at Joel and say, I have a thought for you. And he'll share like something from his past and something that God's going to do in his future. And it's amazing when that goes on. But probably the most amazing part is to watch people when he walks by them. Because what he does, he walks down the aisles and people are like, you know, hiding. Don't tell them what I've been doing and things like that. You know, and he's like, those aren't the people that are going to stand up and say, God, what do I need to do to receive eternal life? They're the ones that are saying, don't call on me. I'm in the back of the room for a reason because I'm trying to just figure out how to do this. I'm working on it. Not this guy. This guy studied up. He knows everything. So he says this, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26, Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you, how do you read it? So there's a lot of people that probably wouldn't be able to answer that, but Jesus recognized, you know this. So he goes on, he says, the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replied in verse 28, says, right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. So you got to run through your mind right now. Jesus says, yep, that's it. Now do it and you'll live. And he's going, in his mind, you can just see how it's working. You know, the hamster's running. And so it goes on there and he says this thing and he goes, oh, well, I, I do. I, you know, I love God. I'm pretty good to my people. I mean, I got my friends over here. They're, they're, they're really good. Look at them. They dressed up nice. They're these things. I helped them out with those things like that. So he's like, I don't know why he'd say that. I guess, well, let me ask this question. So verse 29 the man wanted to justify. Remember what I said earlier. Anytime you start to justify what you're doing, you should know right away it's wrong. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus goes on to share the story of the Good Samaritan, which the Samaritan uh, were people that 
others didn't like. There was a man that got beat up on the side of the road, a religious leader, a priest, and then a, a, a very religious person walked by him. It was like, they saw him, literally were walking this way, saw this man and went like, I'm going to walk over here because this is where I need to be. And I, I don't, oh, I didn't see that. Oh, I didn't see those people over there that were hurting. And he gets to the end of it. Well, if you go back and you study some of that, he's actually referring to this guy's life, how he treats people all the time. And then he gets to the end of it and he says, now, which of these showed mercy? And he said, the one that helped. And there was one guy who no one liked, who was not accepted, who ended up helping that person. Well, it comes back down to this. The man wanted to justify how good he really was. He wanted to boast and he wanted the Lord to say, yep, you're the man. You're the one I've been looking for. You're the bet. You're the... And this is what it comes back down to. When we start to justify, we justify our action, we justify our choices, but that's not the way that God created us. God created us, remember, to do what is right, to, li- to love mercy, and to live humbly and walk with the Lord. Those three things are the things, things that we talked about right there. Now, with this in mind, that word mercy changes the way that we walk through things. When I was in college, we had a class that uh, a lot of my friends and uh, my wife took, and uh, all of us worked hard. It was great. We loved the teacher. Man, she was awesome. We had great conversations, great talks in there. It was like she was the teacher that everybody wanted to take. She was so cool. She was down there. Everybody, everybody just enjoyed having her as a teacher. We all worked hard. And I remember I was um, preparing for the final paper, and it was just, she said, hey, guys, we're just going to write a paper. I want a paper on this. And so she gave everybody topics. And I remember mine was on Ireland, random. And so um, I remember going through and looking up a bunch of stuff online. And so as I'm writing my paper, I would read some stuff, and I'd go and type it. And I'd read some stuff, and I'd go and type it. And apparently, what I was typing was almost identical to what was on the website. Well, my mind gets that way sometimes. I remember exactly what was said and how it was said. And so I, I did those things unintentionally. I plagiarized the entire paper. And so I remember I turned everything in, got my grades back, and I had an A in the class. I was like, this is, my GPA is going to be great. Well, I get my grades back, I got a C. And I'm like, "Um, she must have mixed my name up or something. We're going to figure it out. So I wrote her an email, and I was like, hey, just wanted to check. I got a C in class, and I want to know what was going on, what happened, and all these things. And she said, well, she wrote me back. She said, "Uh, on your last paper, she said, I went and studied it to see if your facts that you put on there were correct. And she said, every, every website I found exactly where you got it from. So you plagiarized your paper. She said, I had two options. She said, one, I could turn it into the university and you would be expelled. You would be kicked out because there's no doubt in my, you copied and pasted. Whether you meant to or not, you copied and pasted. She said, or I could do the second thing is I could just give you an F on the paper, give you an F on that one paper, and then you get that grade, which was a C. So in my mind, I remember fighting, and I was like, that's not right. I didn't do it on purpose. I am justified in what I'm doing. It's not right that she's handling it this way. It's not right that I should not be getting an A in this class. And I thought, I'm going to fight her. I'm going to fight her on all these things. And all of a sudden, this piece came over me and said, you did something wrong. Just take it. And I remember thinking, I could fight and fight and fight to get this right, to get an A. A C is the same thing. And the Lord literally spoke to me and said, a C is going to get you the same place the A is. And I said, I wrote her back and I said, I'm sorry, that was not my intention to plagiarize this. I could see how that could come across that way. I, I'm sorry. I will take the, the F on the paper and the C in the class. Thank you so much for being a great teacher. And I just wrote her and I did those things. Well, the Lord had to help me because if I had stayed 
and that anger and that frustration on those things, it would have caused major issues. It would have caused me to do things that I normally would not do. Because remember this, frustration always brings out the best in you, right? Is that, you guys are all that way, right? Frustration, you get frustrated, it's like all of the peaches and roses everywhere. It's great, things are love. Man, when frustration comes into my life, I am not a very friendly person. I get real caught up in my emotions at that moment. That's not the way that God created us to live this life and to honor him. And so when we come back to this, we get to understand God's anointing when we fall back in humbly into his word. You know, as I think about the anointing of God, a lot of times it's referred to different things in our lives. It's the strength that he gives us. It's the peace that he gives us. It's whatever, whatever that word is that makes sense to you, the joy when it doesn't make sense why I have joy. Because God has an anointing to pour upon each one of us. Remember the, what I talked about? Every one of you have a true, authentic calling in your life that God will anoint you and give you the grace and the strength to get to it. Now, does that mean it's going to be easy? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But God will give you the strength to get through it. Well, how do you do that? You literally rely on the word of the Lord. You may be struggling with some things. One of the things that I learned not too long ago, and it, and it made sense, but this person shared it. And like, yeah, I was listening to this message. Here's what it was. And she saw, talked about the difference between forgiveness and trust. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And so she said, the Bible asks us to forgive people. Most of the time, what we think as humans at that point, as, as people, men and women, we, we go back to the, well, then fine. I've got to, if, I, if I forgive them, if, if Joel comes and he steals from me, and I forgive him for stealing, then I've got to give him his job back. That's what forgiveness is about. That's not what forgiveness is about. What I've done is forgiveness is forgiving him for what he's done, and I need to ask for forgiveness for harboring ill feelings and heart hurt or whatever it may be towards him. There's a whole different word called trust that separates the two. So when we look at this, a lot of times people will say, well, you got to be justified in what you do. No, I don't need to be justified. I need to do what's right. So I'll forgive him, but that doesn't mean I need to trust him. Forgiveness is given, but trust is earned. So you've got to walk through that process because a lot of times what happens is as Christians, we read that, well, I got to forgive him. So I give him his job back. He steals from me again. Now I'm mad at God because I forgave him and he stole from me again. What we do is we kind of take God and we put him into this box and we say, okay, God, this is, I guess this is what it says to do. So I'm going to do it. And then when it happens to us, not the way that we think, we get frustrated with God. And when we get frustrated with God, it causes us to do things that we normally wouldn't do. Think about this. When you read about the story of Peter walking on water, he says that he, Jesus said, come. That's all. Just one word, come. He got out of the boat and he started walking on water. It says, and then. So here he is walking on water and then. He noticed the wind and the waves and everything that was going on around him. When he was focused on God, he was able to walk straight through it. Do you think that wind and everything came up right at that moment? I believe that when you go back and study that, that that wind and those waves were happening the whole time. There was chaotic mess going on all around them, but they continued to serve. If I keep my eyes on the Lord, I know I can do this. If I keep my eyes on the Lord, I know I can get through this. That's why the Bible says, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil, for I am with you. He says that his rod will protect you. When we continue to seek God, it changes the way that we view it. All of a sudden, I don't have to justify who I am. 
when I'm doing what is right. I have to justify it when I'm trying to make what I do as right. It's that simple thought that God is trying to help us to get through. When we get to the point in our lives, sometimes we deal with challenges or we deal with that frustration. I remember when Sandy Coke and the gentleman I was telling you about earlier, he came and he prophesied over my wife and I, and he shared this word over us. He said, in your life, you're going to deal with two things. He said, you're going to be challenged and you're going to be able to handle it in one of two ways. And he said that one thing, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to either rise up and overcome that challenge. Or he said, two, you're going to bow down and you're become stagnant in your growth. This was about seven years ago that this was prophesied over us. And since then, I can tell you, I've dealt with both of those. There have been times in my life where challenges have been brought to me and we've gone right back over the top of them. I rose up and I did those things. But there have been times that challenges have stood in front of me, even small challenges. that I'm like, I can't do this. And I just literally sit down and I become stagnant. My growth becomes stagnant. Well, what happens when you become stagnant? Stagnant water. I was on the golf course the other day and there was a puddle of water. I think it'd been there for three or four years because it was awful smelling. I mean, it had that aroma. I mean, it was like brutal. Cade's like, God, that's, dad, that sounds, that's terrible. That smells so bad. And I'm like, yeah, that's stagnant water. I said, great example. If you don't grow in life, you become like that water right there. And I said, you cannot become stagnant in anything that you do in life. You've always got to be moving. And he said, how do you fix that water? I said, well, one, you get somebody else to come clean it up. (laughs) Or I said, you need to get the water moving. It's got to get oxygen. It's got to get all that stuff because all it is is dead right now. I said, you've got to create that. And that was kind of the end of our conversation. But I, I remember that moment. And a lot of times when we become stagnant, we become bored. And when we become bored, we lose our lack of, we have a lack of focus or discipline in those areas. So think about this. If you get to a point where you've been working out really strong, things are getting big, you're like, hey man, I'm looking good, things are good, and then you get to it. So it, it, it's, when you first start working out, you go like this, you just shoot straight up. Then you hit this spot right here where it's just kind of a flat time. And then you just eke your way up for the next however long. There'll be certain things that will jump it up, certain things will bring it down. They have different ways to fix that. Well, we love this part. But what are you going to do when it becomes this? When you're just walking it out and the Lord says, be still and know that I'm the Lord. Because a lot of times we lose our lack of focus and discipline. So that means I'm done working out. I'm just going to sleep in or I'm going to go do this instead. And all of a sudden we go right back to where we used to be. So when you become stagnant, you become bored. When you become bored, you lose your lack of focus and discipline. And when you do that, you allow other things and other people to take my focus. You know, I know this, that there's a lot of people that deal, you know, God deals with people. He helps us with people. You know, certain people in my life that have been brought to my world have helped me become better. But I've also had other people that the enemy sent into my life to try to walk me out the wrong direction. So we've got to understand this. If I don't stay focused on God, I will not recognize those people. I will not recognize the people that are in my life. And so the last thing we've got to do is we've got to continue to get back into what God has for us, which is found right here. Romans 12, 2 says that if I do not renew my mind, then I cannot do the will of God. But it says, by renewing your mind, do not conform to this world. Do not conform to any longer this world, but by, by renewing your mind, do what is pleasing, and then you will be able to do God's perfect and amazing will. Well, that's what it comes back down to. But the truth starts 
when we apply this word. So 2 Corinthians will be the last scripture. I'll begin to close on this thought. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. And it says this. It says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. Catch that first part. We use God's mighty weapons. Not worldly weapons to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So, so let me stop right there. Because listen to how it says right there. So we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. So what we're talking about is every one of us justify things. We, we all deal with that. But the only way that he says is through the word, through the, the armor of God, which means that I've got to start applying these things into my life. And when I apply that into my life, it changes. Because all of a sudden, when we use God's mighty weapons, not the worldly weapons. You know what? A lot of times we try to figure it out man's way. Well, I've got to take more medication. Well, I've got to go see this person. Well, this is the answer. Every one of those are man-made answers. What does the Word of God teach you? What is God spending time with him in prayer teach you? What is he speaking to you? What is he sharing with your heart? Because understand this, it's only through God's mighty weapons that you bring down strongholds. It doesn't happen because this counselor told you this and this and this. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't use counselors. That may be the path that he has for you. But you've got to do what God has called you to do in that area. Verse 5, it says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. This is what it comes back down to. Every one of those thoughts, we deal with them. We try to justify it. One of the biggest battles we, we deal with in our lives starts right here and deals with it right here. There is a battle that's constantly going between our head and our minds every day. It doesn't matter if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if you've been coming to church for 100 years. It doesn't matter if you live at the church. You may go to the greatest church in the world, but if it doesn't change from here, it won't change here. And every time that you're losing a battle here because of the way that we're thinking, because of how we reason, because understand this, remember, the title of this is Keep It Simple. How do you keep it simple? You do what it says. I can remember when my wife and I first got married, we, we had bought, I, I bought a, a ceiling fan for our bedroom and I was going to put it up and I remember pulling them out and I got everything out. I'm laying it out there and I'm getting ready to put one up. And I'm like, this is easy. I can do this. And you know, not, at, at this moment, I'm trying to be he-man because I, you know, married my wife and she needs to see me as amazing. And so, you know, this is, so I'm, you know, do you need any help? Oh no, I don't need, I got this, you know, I'm, you know, yeah, he-man, look at my arms. They were huge. And so we're going through all these things. And I remember I was like, so I pulled everything out and I'm a typical man. And so when I, when I pull out the uh, instructions, I throw it to the side first because, you know, we don't need instructions. Those are, those are for people that don't do any of that work. We're going to leave that over there. Not that I'd ever put one of these up before in my life, but that's okay. I can figure it out because I'm smart. I'm a man. I've done this before. It's going to be easy. So I pull everything out. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I just can't remember what the, which way the wires go. So I'm going to go pull the instructions out just to check on the wires. So I'm a typical man. I look at the illustrations, not the words, right? Yeah, we just look at the illustrations and go through it. So I'm around pulling it out. I'm looking at it and I'm like, this thing does not make any sense. And I'm looking, I'm like, I don't have any of this stuff. This, they, they put the wrong instruction book in. In fact, I even called the company and I said, you guys didn't send an instruction book. They're like, yeah, we put it in every box. And they're like, I'm like, no, I'm looking at it and it's not right. I didn't read above it. It said parts and accessories. Like if you have an issue with it, this is the 
schematics of how the entire engine is built. Um, so I'm looking at it, trying to find all these parts. Well, they're in the actual motor part of it and those things. And so I, two hours of frustration and irritation and trying to make things happen. I'm going through all this and I'm just looking at it. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I, I don't have this. I'm throwing things around. I'm like the frustrated. She's like, everything okay? I'm like, yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, just stubbed my toe. And so I was, you know, yeah. Uh, so I'm going through all these things. Finally, I opened up the other one. I'm like, well, maybe it's this. I opened it up. Step one, here's what you do. Step two, here's what you, I'm like, oh my God. 15 minutes later, I added up. But what it came back down to is I try to do things my way. I simply came down and I said, it's my way. I'm going to do this. I tried to serve God, but doing it my way, not his way. This is what it comes back down to. Every one of us have strongholds, hindrances, hiccups, uh, things that cause us to stumble, things that, that cause issues. We try to figure these out in the worldly manner, but it's God's way is the only way. So we come back down to this. As long as you're losing that battle, as long as you're fighting that reasoning, that justification, Satan is going to win every battle. We've got to come back and know who God truly is. I'll begin to close on this thought. The praise and worship team, go ahead and come on out. I think they're back there. They scared me last time. Colossians. Oh, they're coming from the front. See, look at them. They're so nice. Colossians chapter 3. And I want to read this because... This is what it simply comes back down to. Keep it simple. I cannot justify my actions outside of this word. If it doesn't tie into this word, then I cannot continue to do it. I've got to give it up to God and I've got to bring this down. Colossians 3, verse 12, it says, since God chose you, catch that. It's not just me. It's not just that guy who stands on stage and preaches. It's not that great pastor that you hear. It's not Billy Graham. It's not those. He chose every one of those, including you. See yourself in the mirror to be holy people he loves. You must clothe yourselves with tenderness, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Verse 14, above all, clothe your th yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Now catch verse 16. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Fill your lives. You know, we deal with so many worldly people at our jobs. We can't let the world fill up what God is intended to fill up. If we'll get this in there, the world has no chance to fit in anywhere. If I fill up my gas tank with the correct gas, it's got no room for anything else. Just that. So if I will fill my life with the message about Christ and all its richness, teach and counsel each other with the wisdom and giving. He gives singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And all things, if I'll just acknowledge God, if I'll simply come to him and say, God, I just want to honor you. It changes everything. It changes the way that I think. It changes the way that I speak. It changes the way that I hear. I don't just see a movie and think, oh, that was a good movie. I hear the message God is trying to get across to me. 
But there are times that I become stagnant that I don't hear because I'm not in a mode that allows me to grow. So when challenges come, don't back down. Say, Lord, I need you. I need you more than I've ever needed you before. And with that thought in mind, we step forward and we say, God, I'm going to walk out my calling. If that means you've got me where I'm at today, I know it's a step forward. Understand this, the thought that God showed me when we were watching that video this morning, every revolution of that ball causes that ball to go where it's supposed to. If it's off just one centimeter, it will not end up where it's supposed to end up. If we try to make that ball go in the hole, a lot of times we miss. But if we allow God to show us how that ball will roll in the hole, it always hits its mark. It's a choice that we make. Every revolution, every step, every choice matters. But if I don't have God at the center of it, I'm missing it. And that's what God is just simply trying to get across. Listen, it's not who you were. It's not what you've done. It's not that person over there. It's not that bad person. It's about this moment. Right now, who are you? Who are you? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.